0: Pastor Xavier Reese with a word of caution about making right choices on today's Simple Truths. The believer is to be vigilant
1: so as not to be joined to the mixed multitude. It's a real delicate balance, is it not? And we have to walk in wisdom, always. Remember, the boat belongs in the water, but when the water gets in the boat, it gets in deep trouble. That sin is ever-present to want to creep back in. We must be very, very careful in our
0: lives. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. What would you do if you heard all the wild animals from a local zoo escaped into your neighborhood? You'd keep your eyes open for lurking danger, wouldn't you? Well, Scripture tells us that Satan prowls about like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. And unfortunately, far too many Christians have fallen as his prey because they've gotten too comfortable with the world. Well, Pastor Xavier has a solution. He shares that on today's Simple Truths message A Call to Vigilance. We come to our
1: last study of Nehemiah in our series on servant leadership. And each study has given us important insights. In our call to serve, God was concerned with our attitude. In our call to work, God is concerned with our actions. In our call to warfare, God is concerned with our abiding. In our call to the Word, God is concerned with our knowing His mind and obeying it. In our call to revive, God is concerned with awakening us from our sleepy state by the Holy Spirit. Now, in our final chapter of Nehemiah, we are given the call to vigilance. A call to vigilance has to do with our responsibility to guard against sins that would creep back into our lives. Now, each of us must realize that our sin nature is ever-present until the Lord takes us home. Equally, we must recognize that God has given to each of us a divine nature that allows us to live above sin nature and to say no to sins. The flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh, so we cannot do that which we would, Galatians 5, 17. And Peter tells us that the divine nature has been given to us, every one of us. That and many precious promises in 2 Peter 1, 4. And so God has equipped us. Why? Because we are born into warfare. The minute you accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you are born into warfare. Before that, you did not belong to God. Before that, you had the God of this world who was leading your life and deceiving you. Now you oppose him. Now you stand for something that he does not like. And you are born into warfare. All that is in the world centers around the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life, 1 John 2.16 tells us. Those are the three areas which the world, Satan, our flesh, attacks us. Now, Nehemiah points out to us four sins that lead or tend to creep into the believer's life even after revival. So there has to be an ever-present sentinel against sin, if you will. Now, as we look to chapter 13, the primary instrument of vigilance is directed to Nehemiah, the servant leader of the people. But we also want to make a secondary application to every one of us as believers. As responsible servants who lead in one shape or form other people. So servant leadership is applicable to every one of us because there's no other example in the scriptures apart from that and our Lord and Savior is the primary example of that. Let me... um. Read the entire chapter, and then um, we'll um, go over the four points. It says, On that day they read from the book of Moses, the hearing of the people, and it was found written that no Ammonite Moabite should ever come into the congregation of God, because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. And so it was when they had heard the law that they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. Now before this, Eliashib, the priest, having authority over the storerooms of the house of our God, was allied to Tobiah, or with Tobiah. And he had prepared for him a large room, where previously they had stored the grain offering, the frankincense, the articles of tithes of grain, and new wine and oil, which were commanded to be given to the Levites and singers and gatekeepers, and the offerings for the priests." But during all this, I was not in Jerusalem, for in the thirty-second year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Then after certain days, I obtained leave from the king. And I came to Jerusalem and discovered the evil of Eliashib had done for Tobiah in preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me bitterly. Therefore, I threw all the household goods of Tobiah out of the room. Then I commanded them to cleanse the rooms, and I brought back into them the articles of the house of God with the grain offering and the frankincense. I also realized that the portion of the Levites had not been given to them. For each of the Levites and the singers who did the work had gone back to his field. And so I contended with the rulers and said, Why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then all Judah brought the tithes of the grain and the new wine and the oil to the storehouse. And I appointed treasures over the storehouse of Shalami, uh, the priest and Zadok the scribe, and the Levite, Pideah. And next to them was Hanan, the son of Sakur, the son of Mathaniah. For they were considered faithful, and their task was to distribute to their brethren." Remember me, O God, concerning this, and do not wipe out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for its services. In those days I saw in Judah some people treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and loading donkeys with wine, grapes, figs, and all kinds of burdens, which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day, and I warned them about that day on which they were selling provisions." Men of Tyre dwelt there also and brought in fish of all kinds of goods and sold them on the Sabbath to the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. Then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said to them, What evil thing is this that you do, by which you profane the Sabbath day? Did not our fathers do thus, and did not our God bring all this disaster on us and on this city? Yet you bring added wrath on Israel by profaning the Sabbath. So it was at the gates of Jerusalem, as it began to be dark before the Sabbath, that I commanded the gates to be shut, and charged that they must not be opened till after the Sabbath. And then I posted some of my servants at the gates, so that no burden would be brought in on the Sabbath day. Now the merchants and sellers of all kinds of wares lodged outside Jerusalem once or twice. And so I warned them and said to them, Why do you spend the night around the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. For that time they came no more on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should go and guard the gates and sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of your mercy. In those days I also saw Jews... Who had married women of Ashdod and Ammon and Moab. And half of their children spoke the language of Ashdod and could not speak the language of Judah, but spoke according to the language of one or the other's peoples. And so I contended with them and cursed them and struck some of them and pulled out their hair and made them swear by God, saying, You shall not give your daughters as wives to their sons, nor take their daughters for your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations there was no king like him who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, pagan women caused him to sin. Should we then hear of your doing all this great evil, transgressing against our God by marrying pagan women? And one of the sons of Joiada, the son of Eliashib, the high priest, was a son-in-law of Sambalat the Horonite. Therefore, I drove him from me. Remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and the Levites. Thus, I cleansed them of everything pagan. I also assigned duties to the priests and the Levites, each to his service, and to bring the wood offering and the first fruits at appointed times. Remember me, O my God, for good four sins that tend to creep into the believer's life even after revival. First, the believer's to be vigilant so as not to be joined to the mixed multitude. You find this in verses 1 through 3 of chapter 13. Secondly, the believer's to be vigilant so as not to allow the house of God to be forsaken. Verses 4 through 13. And then thirdly, The believer is to be vigilant so as not to live for money, verses 15 through 22. And then fourth and last, the believer is to be vigilant so as not to be unequally yoked in marriage. And these are the four sins that have a tendency to creep back in. Let's take the first. The believers to be vigilant so as not to be joined to the mixed multitude. Verses 1 through 3. Notice first that the mixed multitude are the people who join themselves to the people of God for the the benefits, but are not of God. We read of the mixed multitude as they went out with Israel in Exodus 12, 38. There is always a mixed multitude in the body of Jesus Christ. Those who have no concern for the things of God, they're here just to see what they can get out of whatever is going on. Secondly, in verse 1, notice the obedience of excluding them is because it is written in God's Word. We obey the Word of God. It may not, may not make any sense to us, It may not seem fair to us, but God's not really concerned about that. What he's concerned about is our obedience. The Ammonites were the descendants of Lot by the younger daughter of Lot in Genesis 19.38. The Moabites were equally descendants of Lot by his older daughter in Genesis 19.37. In both of those verses, you have both daughters got pregnant by Lot as he left Sodom and Gomorrah. They thought they'd got to kill all the men and say, well, let's get our dad drunk and I'll go in tonight and you go in tomorrow and that's it. Both represent a type of the flesh, that which is not of God nor pleasing to God. Now, you know what God does about your flesh? He cuts it off. He doesn't honor it. He told Abraham, offer, sacrifice to me, Isaac, your only son. Wait a minute. I have Ishmael. No, your only son. Ishmael's a product of the flesh. God never recognized him. Isaac was the one that God gave. It was a work of the Spirit. All that I do in the flesh, God does not even accept it. He does not recognize it. He condemns it. He judges it. Notice thirdly in verse 2, the reason they are to be excluded is because they are the enemies of God. It's very simple. They did not meet the children of Israel with bread or water when they came through the land. All they wanted was passage. If you think you can get along with your flesh, you've got a big surprise coming. <laughs> if you think your flesh is going to go out of its way to serve the, the new man, you might as well forget it. It'll never happen. They hired Balaam to curse them in Numbers 22. But they were opposed by God, Balaam and Balak. Why? Because God turned the curse into a blessing. Balaam said, how can I curse whom God has blessed? How interesting. Notice, fourthly, there in verse 3, the obedience of the people is to come at the hearing of the Word. At the very time that I hear it, I am to say, yes, Lord. I'm not to think about it. I'm not to weigh it out. I'm to say, yes, Lord, I will obey. They heard the law, and they separated all the mixed multitude from Israel. Immediately. Now, You remember Lot. Lot was with his uncle, Abraham. And they became a contention and said, you know, this place is not big enough for both of us. And Abraham said, you know, he was the older. He said, listen, if you want the right, I'll take the left. If you want the left, I'll take the right. It really doesn't matter to me. Because Abraham knew that God had called him and had said he was going to bless him. And Lot looked to direction towards Sodom. And he saw it. The valleys green and well watered. And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. But later on, as time went by, we find Lot in the very gate of Sodom as one of the judges. You see, there is a natural progression when you start hanging out with the mixed multitude. Am I speaking against ministering to the non-believer? Am I speaking against reaching out to the non-believer Never. Remember, the boat belongs in the water, but when the water gets in the boat, it gets in deep trouble. So I have to know how far, how long, what contact do I have. We're all different. We need to ask God for wisdom. Now, the mixed multitude will cause the believer to compromise God's standards. Always. You remember in the churches of Revelation... Uh, in chapter 2, uh, verse 14 through 15, the church of Pergamos, uh, it says, But I have a few things against you, because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel, to eat things, sacrifice to idols, and commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate, those who conquer over the laity. You see, that makes multitude. That philosophy comes in, and pretty soon the men, the women, and the church who was sold out to God begins to wane a little bit at a time and before you know it you've got all kinds of junk going on you've got all kinds of compromise and before you know it the gospel's not even preached all we're doing is getting together for nice little sweet comfortable sermons and we just walk in and walk out and everybody's into all kinds of sin but we dress nice and we pack it out and boy we just really sing how nauseating it happens real subtle the mixed multitude will lead the believer into bondage always 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 paul the apostle speaking to the galatians in galatians 4:9 he says but now after you have known god or rather are known by god how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage the mixed multitude will destroy the witness of the believer Paul the apostle tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 4:12 He says let no one despise your youth be an example of the believer in word in conduct and love in spirit and faith and in purity the mixed multitude will destroy the witness of the believer if that compromise willfully and knowingly continues we must be very very careful in our lives And so the believer is to be vigilant so as not to be joined to the mixed multitude. It's a real delicate balance, is it not? And we have to walk in wisdom. That sin is ever-present to want to creep back in. Always. We become more comfortable the older we get. More lax, the longer we walk. Secondly, Verses 4 through 13. The believer is to be vigilant so as not to allow the house of God to be forsaken. Oh, this sin is, is ever-present for it to, be, to creep back in. Notice first in verses 4 and 5. First, by not allowing ungodly men to occupy the place of the godly. Eliashib was ungodly. Nehemiah had his guard down. He wasn't fully aware of who this man was. Eliashib was to be an authority over the storeroom of the house of God. And Eliashib was an an ally to Tobiah, the enemy of God's people, in verse 4 also. And Eliashib was more interested in the comfort of the enemy and gave him the place that belonged to the Levites, in verse 5. This is an evil thing that happens when godly men... Begin to compromise and they put their guard down and they begin to embrace ungodly men and put them in the places of godly positions. It happens all the time in churches, people. All the time. Notice, secondly, in verse 6, by making sure that there are faithful and capable men to care for the people. In verse 6, Nehemiah had gone to Babylon for a time. In verse 7, Nehemiah became aware of the evil Eliashib had done in preparing room for Tobiah in the court of the house of God as he returned. But see, he thought he left a faithful man. He did not. In verse 8, Nehemiah acted immediately and threw out all the household goods of Tobiah. Good man. Man of action. And Notice in verse 9, Nehemiah commanded to clean and to put back the articles of the house of God along with the grain offering, the frankincense. Whenever a mistake is made, you quickly take action to restore, admit the guilt, the fault, whatever, and you get things back in order as quick as you can so that things can continue. And notice thirdly, in verses 10 through 13, it's by holding the leaders accountable. In verse 10, Nehemiah realized that the Levites had not been given their portion and the singers had gone back to the fields to work. What a nifty little subtle attack. You cut off the spiritual work going on and they have to go back to work and nothing spiritual really happened inside the house of God. And who are the ones who suffered? The people of God. Do you know how many countless churches there are like that? They look spiritual from the outside but there's no spiritual feeding from the inside and the people are the ones who suffer. Rather than getting wheat, they're getting popcorn and cotton candy and everything else. And you know, sugar will quench and quiet your hunger pains for a while, but the hunger will come back. And if you keep eating cotton candy just to satisfy or a candy bar just to take away the hunger, pretty soon you end up an anemic person because you're not nourishing your body and you start hurting yourself. And so that happens spiritually so often in churches because pastors do not give themselves to the study of the word and defeat the people faithfully. Notice in verse 11, Nehemiah contended with the rulers. They were around. Nehemiah was not and so we asked them why the house of God was forsaken. Now, this had occurred once before. You remember reading in Haggai chapter 1, verse 1 through 11? It says, Your bags have holes and you can't get full because here you guys are making houses for yourself and you guys are living it up, and yet my house is, is left empty. No one's working on my house. They had forsaken the house of God. How sad it is when the people of God is so caught up with their own living, their own things, and they forsake the house of God. It happens so subtle, people. It says he put them all in their place. I like Nehemiah. Notice in verse 12, Nehemiah saw the obedience of all of Judah as they brought the tithe of the grain, the new wine, the oil to the storehouse. Things get back rolling. The spiritual work begins again. Great! We're human. We we fail. We sin. We can blow it. But once we do, we need to get back on track. God is graceful enough. He is able enough. If we are willing enough to say, Lord, cleanse me, forgive me, lead me lastly, notice in verse 13, Nehemiah appointed several men who were faithful to ensure the ongoing obedience and protection of the house of God. Nehemiah learned. He's a good leader. You know why? He learns from his mistakes. Now he puts faithful men over this care and he makes sure that it keeps on going. He learned. I want to learn from my mistakes as well as the mistakes of others in ministry. I want to grow I don't want to say, wow, that, that would never happen to me. You know, I'm hip, I know what's happening, I've been around Oh no! Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before the fall. Let him who thinks he stands
0: take heed lest he fall. Pastor Xavier Reese and the pitfalls that accompany those who try to defeat sin under their own power. And you can hear this message again if you like, online, anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. Now he has much more to share on this important topic to come, but if you won't be able to join us for our next edition of Simple Truths, you can pick up a copy of this message for your own continued study. The title to ask for is A Call to Vigilance. You can request it on CD for just $4. And this would be a great tool you can pass along to someone in your church or Bible study who may be struggling right now. So once again, the title to ask for is, A Call to Vigilance, or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Again, that's Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for telling us the call letters of this station and all your correspondence. This is one way we have a checking on the impact of this outreach. When does being stubborn become a virtue? Find out when you tune in to the next edition of Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com